You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. And maybe you feel that way today, you feel like you're drowning, but that's why we started this series, Rehab for the Rest of Us, so that we could not just tread water or not drown, but just keep swimming, just keep swimming, so that we could thrive in life. And in that, in that song, I love the lyrics, it says, um, talking about being plastic, and I just want to let you know, if you're here for the first time, you came to a church where we're real. But we are not interested in plastic, but we are authentic, and uh, we just believe that authenticity is essential. And, and the truth is, you got some scars, I got some scars, you got some brokenness, same here. And so um, today what we want to do is not drown, uh, but swim like our life depended on it. And so we're concluding this series, Rehab, for the rest of us. I wonder, is anybody here... Um, does anybody here enjoy accomplishing things? Yeah, this is like a, a, a hand raise for everyone, hopefully, right? This is, hopefully you enjoy accomplishing things. Maybe some of y'all are like, nah, that's good, I'm good. <laughs> I just sit on my couch, stare open a bag of bonbons, and <laughs> you know, I don't want to accomplish anything. See, I think, I think a lot of us enjoy accomplishing things. How, how many of you, you're the kind of person who you make to-do lists, and you find a great sense of satisfaction in checking things off of the to-do list and scratching things out? There's just this sense of satisfaction that we get when we accomplish something. When we finalize something, when we arrive at a destination, uh, even even for the people who never finish anything, right? Wives, don't look at your husbands. Look up here, just smile. Yeah, that's, but but even for the people who never accomplish anything, who start things and never finish them, the reason why we start things is because we want to accomplish them. We we get this great sense of satisfaction when we finally finish something, when we've arrived at a destination. And this is why I think we have difficulty in life sometimes. See, sometimes we're going through life and we just have this great difficulty. And sometimes our life looks like a meme. Like, like maybe for you, you would say this meme describes your life. Check this out. Let's just replay it again, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's you. You're like, man, I'm trying to make it through life, and I'm just stumbling through. I'm falling on my face. Maybe for you, this is the meme that describes your life. Check it out. Don't feel too bad for that cat. It landed on his feet at the end. But sometimes we feel like our life is, is like this. Maybe for you, this is the meme that describes your life. Check this out. just won't stop and you try your best you do everything you can but you just feel like you can't get any traction you're stumbling through life you're falling through life and I think the reason for that is because of a truth that I found on a fortune cookie one time that says this that life is not a destination it's a journey life is 
a journey, not a destination. Life is a journey, not a destination. And I think the reason why we have difficulty in life sometimes is because life can be filled with milestones and, and markers and accomplishments and achievements, but we never really finish life. Like there's not a point in life where you're like, it's complete right? When you come to a point in life where it's complete, where it's finished, where you've finally arrived, you're dead, right? This is how it is in life. When you arrive in life, you're dead. It's like you look back and you say, that whole life thing, yeah, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and now I'm dead. But the problem is none of us have gotten there yet. We haven't completed it. We haven't finished it. We haven't arrived. And so life is more of a journey and not really a destination, and that can be difficult because we like to accomplish things. We get this sense of satisfaction and, and we never really accomplish life. And, and I think because we never really accomplish life, we find difficulty in it. And I think, I think recovery is the same as life. See, recovery is a difficult thing because recovery is not a destination. It's a journey. Recovery is not a destination. It's not something that we arrive at. It's not, I've recovered. Recovery isn't something that happened. Recovery is something that happens. It it continues in our life. It's this journey that we're continually on. And because of that, recovery can be difficult because there's no sense of, I've arrived. I'm good. I'm fully finished with it. You know, over the past four weeks, we've been in this series, Rehab for the Rest of Us. And, um, if you're here for the first time, man, I am so honored that you're here. Um, but you just need to know, like, you're coming into this, like, at the end of our group therapy session. We, we've been through some stuff over the past three weeks that we've been uncovering and discovering about ourselves. And so you're kind of coming in at the end of this. It's, it, it, it's kind of like coming in at the end of a movie. But, but, but don't worry, I'm going to catch up. I'll, I'll let you know where we've been. And I'll also take some time to remind everyone else where we've been. Uh, but, but also the great thing is this. If you're here for the first time, you get to be here next week when we start a brand new series. And so you get to be here at the start of something and, and finish it through. But, but, but here's where we've been in our, in our journey going in rehab for the rest of us. See, over the past several weeks, we've discovered that rehab is a really powerful thing. That I, I know some people, maybe you know some people, who used to be alcoholics who, who aren't alcoholics anymore. I know some people who used to have drug addictions who don't have drug addictions anymore. And, and what happened to them was rehab. They went through rehab and they found recovery. And another thing that we've discovered throughout this series is that God doesn't equal recovery. And I know that sounds strange to say in church because we've said, maybe you've heard this say, is said that, that, that all you need is God. All you need is God. But we've discovered throughout this series that, that God doesn't equal recovery. That, that God actually d- doesn't bring about recovery. And and it's because we've experienced that in our own lives. I mean, this is our own experience. Because many of us, we have God, but we don't have peace. We, we believe in God, but we don't believe in ourselves enough, and we struggle with insecurity. We, we love God, but many of us, we don't love our spouse like we should, and because of that, we have marriage problems. And so many of us, many of us, we have God, but we don't have recovery. There's a problem with us. We have what we say all we need is, but we, it's like we're missing something. And so what we've come to find, just our own experience, is that, yeah, you can have God, but not recovery. And we've also found this, because we're not fooling ourselves, that rehab doesn't equal recovery. Because you can't have rehab without God. See, God is baked into rehab. 
Uh, this, this whole idea and concept of God is actually found in the second step of the 12 Steps program. It says this, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And so what we've come to understand throughout the series is that we can't just have God and have recovery, because God doesn't equal recovery. We can't just have rehab and have recovery, because rehab doesn't equal recovery. But God plus rehab equals recovery. And so for the past four weeks, we've been in this journey of rehab, going through the 12 steps of recovery. And what we've come to understand is that when we work this program, when we work the steps and we go through this process, we will arrive at a place we long to be, which is recovery. But remember, recovery isn't a destination. It's a journey. And so here's what we said in the very beginning. We said that each and every one of us, we have a problem. And in order for there to be recovery, we have to admit that we have a problem. There could be no recovery without admitting that you have a problem. And what we came to find is that the problem each and every one of us has is the problem of sin. That, that inside each and every one of us, there's this war that's been waged and it's raging on. And it's like, I know what I want to do. And it's the good that I should do, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the wrong that I don't want to do. And the wrong that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing, but I don't do the right that I want to do. And it's like this tug of war inside of us. There's this war that's raging within us. And I said, why is that? He said, the reason is because we have a problem with sin. And sin is everything that makes us fall short of God's glory. God has called us to a different kind of life. But because we sin, because each and every one of us have rebelled against God at some point in our life, even now, because we've said, God, I'm going to follow my way instead of your way, sin comes in and it, and it makes us people we shouldn't be, who we don't want to be. So we got a problem. And we found out, though, that Jesus is the solution to our problem. That Jesus came, uh, put on, God put on flesh, and he lived a perfect life, a life we can't live, to die the death we deserve. And that Jesus went to the cross to take your sin and my sin on himself. And when Jesus died on the cross, he got rid of our sin. He paid the debt of our sin so that we could live debt-free when it comes to sin, so that we could have relationship with God. We found that Jesus became the answer to our sin problem. He gave us the gift of freedom. And so that's great, but in order, but, but here's the thing, many of, you can be free but not experience freedom. So many of us, we've accepted the gift of freedom, but we don't experience freedom. We don't live in that freedom. That's where the steps of rehab come in. We say, Jesus, I want to accept you. I believe that you died for me on the cross, that you rose again from the dead, and I want to be baptized into you. I am now free in you, but I want to live out the freedom you've given me. And in order for me to take hold of that freedom, I need to work these steps of recovery. And that's when we started walking through, okay, we've identified that we have a problem. I know what I want to do, but I don't do it. What I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. But the problem we have, there's some underlying causes for that. And so what we said the second week of this series is that we need to clean out our closet. We need to dig into our closets and clear out the clutter because there's stuff that, that is supporting that problem. And so, for instance, we said, you might say that insecurity is your problem, but that's not your main problem. We said we need to dig deeper, clean out our closets, find out why are we insecure, and maybe you'll find the reason why you're insecure is because you're afraid of something you don't need to be afraid of in the first place. Some of us are insecure because we're worrying about something that isn't even going to happen. Some of us are insecure because we allow our past to limit our future. 
We live in what somebody said about us and now we have a lower view of ourselves, and so we're in, so insecure that we'll never walk into all that God has called us to be. And so your problem isn't insecurity. Your problem is I'm allowing those people 20 years ago to speak into my present now. And I'm allowing what they said about me to control who I am today. That's what we said. So we got to go into our closet, clear out the clutter, and find out why, why am I dealing with these problems? Why, 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 why am I angry? And so I, I, I lose my temper all the time. But why is that? Oh, the, the reason is I dig in my closet and I find out is because I feel like I'm entitled. I feel like I'm owed something. And because I haven't gotten that yet, I'm mad. I'm angry. Why am I angry? I, I know why I'm angry. Because I feel like everybody else is a moron and they just can't get it right. But I'm good and I know what I'm talking about. How come they can't just be as smart as I? And so then we start to look and say, the reason why I'm angry is because of pride. So what I need to deal with is not anger. What I need to deal with is pride. And so we said, we got to clear out our closets, we got to clean them out, and we got to figure out why, what is the root cause for the problem I'm dealing with. And so as we do this inventory, this is what the 12 steppers say, we do a searching and fearless inventory of our life to figure out what, what's really going on just below the surface. And then once we do that, we said that we need to come and we need to develop a readiness where we're willing to give this over to God. And we said there's a difference between giving something and taking something. We said we need to come to God and we need to say, God, I'm going to give this to you freely and willingly. What we said last week uh, is that we need to take off our old clothes of greed and envy and self-doubt and lust because those clothes don't look good on you. When you wear that stuff, it doesn't fit you very well. We said we need to take off our clothes and then we need to put on our new clothes, clothes like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we're going through recovery, we said we need to identify the problems in our life, we need to understand what's causing those problems, and then we need to freely give them over to God and clothe ourselves with some new attributes. And now we come to today. Today we're going to cover steps 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 of rehab. That's the, fi the final five steps. Somebody say, good Lord, we're going to be here for a long time. No, I'm just joking. We, we took three weeks to go over seven steps. We've got five today. We'll just be here for a couple hours. Just hang in there. So what's going to happen is as we come to this point, we're at step eight and nine. And here's what steps eight and nine say. Essentially, so, so now we've said, God, I want you to receive this. I'm giving this over to you. I'm clothing myself with new clothes, clothes of who you say I am. I'm not buying into the lies anymore. I'm clothing myself with who you say I am. And now here we are, steps eight and nine. This is where we make amends with the people that we've wronged. So I had a problem. And now I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to go to the people that I've wronged and I'm going to say, I'm so sorry. Can I make it up to you? And here's the thing. Sometimes you can't make it up to people. You can't give your kid a dad again when they were seven years old because you weren't there for that. And you can't go back and teach them how to ride a bike. But you can say, starting here, how can I be a better dad for you? See, there are some things you just can't make up. But this is where we go and we ask for forgiveness. And we say, what can I do? to make it up to you. And, and, and sometimes the person that we need to ask forgiveness from the most is ourselves. We, we need to, see, see, some of us have forgiven people who have wronged us, but we haven't forgiven ourselves. And we live in this, this state of guilt and, and, and shame. 
and self-doubt and, and even denial. And so this is the step where we say, I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to ask others for forgiveness so that I can move on. And it's in this moment that we finally get free from what was plaguing us. Because here's the thing, when you forgive someone, you set someone free, and the person you set free is you. You don't set them, you set yourself free. When you ask for forgiveness, you're set free. Even if that person doesn't forgive you, you have, have gone through the steps doing everything you can to try and grant that forgiveness. And even if they don't, or to get that forgiveness, and even if they don't grant you that forgiveness, you are still set free. Because you did everything you could do to move on. And so this is where we are now. We've admitted we have a problem. We realize the underlying causes of that problem. We've gone to God. We said, God, I'm willingly giving this to you. And now we've asked for forgiveness. Now we're finally free of the problem. We have arrived at our destination. We are recovered. But then we come to step 10. And step 10 is where we continue the journey of recovery. See, step 10 is, is where we look back and we say, I, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. I, I used to be greedy, but I'm not greedy anymore. I used to be insecure, but I'm not insecure anymore. I, I used to be addicted to that, but I'm not anymore. But it's in step 10 that we say, but, 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 now that I'm free, I'm going to continue this journey because I realize that whatever it is I dealt with back then can always come back up and creep into my life again. And so this is where I start looking around and I set some boundaries. And I say, you know what? When I used to deal with that, this was a trigger. And so I'm going to remove that from my life. I'm not even going near that. And then I'm going to get some accountability. I'm going to get some people I can talk with. I'm going to get some people that I, can, that I can get some support from. And so in step 10, it's us choosing to continue the journey of recovery. So yes, I'm free from that. I'm finally free as long as I want to be. By the way, that's the title for my sermon today. If you would take a moment to write that down at the top of your note section. Finally free, as long as I want to be. I've moved past that. I've overcome it. I'm here on the other side now. I'm finally free. As long as I continue this journey and stay free. Because that stuff can creep back up and trap me again. But I'm going to be aware of it. I'm going to know what's going on. I'm going to be on the lookout because I've been there before and I see how it looks. And I'm going to say, uh-uh, I'm not going there. And I'm going to take a detour. Finally free. As long as I want to be. And then steps 11 and 12 are this. Um, step, step 11 and 12 is, is we um, come to a point where, so, so we're finally free. We're continuing on this journey. Step 11 is this. We draw closer to God. We say, God, I'm going to build my relationship with you. I'm going to get closer to you because here's the thing. When you get closer to God, you get further from that problem. Did you hear what I just said? When you get closer to God, you get further from that problem. This is why it's important to make church a priority in your life. This is why it's important to press into God. You know, I talk to people so many times who are going through something difficult. Something's broken in their life. And I always tell them, press into God. And what people sometimes do is they say, I'm going to withdraw from God because I'm ashamed, because I feel guilty, because I'm afraid. And so they say, I'm going to withdraw from God. I'm going to stop coming to church. And then they dig deeper into their problem. But that's not the right way to go. The right way to go is say, I'm going through some stuff. I need God the most here and now. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes, God, to be in your house, to sing those songs, to sing it like I believe it. I'm pressing into you. This is step 11. As I draw closer to God, 
I move further away from that stuff that was hindering me. And it becomes less and less of a temptation. You know, I used to get so angry all the time, but now as I press into God, man, it's almost like it's a distant memory. Now, I'm not foolish to think that I've fully recovered, because that can creep up at any time. But it just feels like it's a distant memory now. You know, I used to be this way, but as I've poured into my relationship with God, as I've invested in that, as I've gotten to know him more and believed his truth more and more in my life, it's almost like I'm a different person now. And I'm so far removed from all that other stuff that plagued me. And then step 12 is, we're just going to tell our story. So we're on this journey of recovery, and we're just going to tell our story. We're just going to tell people about this is how I used to be, and this is how I am now. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't struggle anymore. I don't have any battles anymore. It's like I'm fully, no, no, I I may still struggle with that, but I need to tell my story because I need to remind myself of God's grace in my life. I need to remind myself of how far I've come, and I need to share my story with other people because other people may be helped by that. See, don't ever be ashamed of your brokenness. Your brokenness is your greatest ministry, we, we need, good God, did y'all, your brokenness is your greatest ministry. As we share our weaknesses, as we share our story, here's how I used to be, but here's how God has delivered me. And here's what I'm currently doing to make sure that I don't fall back into that. Man, there are so many people who can learn from your journey and learn from your story. And so don't ever be ashamed to share your shortcomings. And so this is the 12-step program. This is how we find recovery. See, recovery is a journey, not a destination. There is a point where I am past that. I have arrived. I've gotten over that. I'm finally free, as long as I want to be. And here's why recovery is so difficult. Because there is this sense of satisfaction. Yes, I finally arrived, but, but at the same time, there's this sense of I haven't arrived and I still got work to do. I I, I could be better. I could do more. I'm finally free, but, but there's another level of freedom that I could reach. I could get even more free from this and even more free. And I always gotta be on the lookout to make sure this doesn't come back in my life. See, recovery is frustrating because we spend so much of our lives trying to get back to how we were supposed to be. I don't know if you ever got lost in your life. Uh, of course you've gotten lost, um, especially the guys. They won't admit it, but, but we've all gotten lost in our lives, right? There, there have been times where I've gotten lost, um, and it was really frustrating for me. Like, there was this one time I was taking my daughter to the dentist, and uh, I pulled out Google Maps, uh, which, by the way, is a great app to use, and all the bad things I'm going to say about it, don't let it reflect negatively on Google Maps, and they aren't paying me to say this. I wish they were, but... Um, but I was using Google Maps, and um, I typed in the dentist's name, and it auto-filled for me to let me know the dentist and, and where they were. And so I was like, cool, awesome. And so I drove my daughter to the dentist's office, but it was the wrong one. Like, it was a completely different dentist than the one that she was supposed to see. And I was frustrated because it took me 15 minutes out of the way. What made it even more frustrating is we passed the place we were supposed to be to get to the wrong place. We drove 15 minutes out of the way, and then we had to drive 15 minutes back to where we were supposed to be. It was this journey of getting back to where we were supposed to be. And we were there already. There was another time um, where I was, I was driving with my wife um, from North Carolina. And uh, we were driving through some back roads in North Carolina. And uh, I knew where I was going. At least I acted like I did. And um, I made a wrong turn. And I knew that I made a wrong turn. But, um, 
my wife, she was real supportive. She knew I made a wrong turn too, but she didn't let me know because um, she wanted to support me even in my wrongness. And um, I was like, okay, I, I made a wrong turn. I need to turn back around and go the other way. And, uh, but then I said, you know what? No, no, no. Instead of turning around, I'll just put it in Google Maps because this never failed me before. And uh, it will tell me where to go. And so we put in our destination and Google Maps had me going in the same direction I was going, but I knew it was the wrong direction. But this is Google Maps. It knows everything. So I was following where it told me to go. And it took me 25 minutes out of the way to get back to where I was in the first place. And it was so frustrating because I was already there. But I was on this journey to get back to where I was supposed to be. And that's why recovery can be so frustrating. Because recovery, it's exciting because we, we've journeyed off the path. And recovery helps us get back on the right path. But it's frustrating because the journey that we're on is a journey that takes us back to where we're supposed to be. I want to I show you where you and I are supposed to be. How you and I were created to be. It's found in Genesis. If you have a Bible, would you open up to Genesis chapter 2? And um, we're going to start reading in verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Now, he, here's what happens in Genesis. God creates Adam and Eve our great, 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 great to the 30th power grandparents. And uh, he creates Adam and Eve and he places them in this garden. And uh, where we're going to pick up here in Genesis chapter 2 uh, is, is just when God has created Adam so far. He hasn't created Eve yet. But he creates Adam and, and, and here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. He put him in the garden to work it, to work it, to work it. By the way, work is in... The Garden of Eden, God, when he creates man, he has him work. Like, work is a God-given gift. Work is not a bad thing, but God gives work to man so that he'll do something, so he'll be productive, so he won't just lay on the couch and watch football all day, which is awesome, by the way, which you should do today. But there's work in the garden. God put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, I love this, you are free. This is the first thing God ever says to man. The first thing God ever says to humanity, you are free. You are free. You are free. 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 You are free. God does not create humanity to be bound by rules, regulations, and restrictions. But the first thing he says to man is you are free. That's what God says to you today. You are free. I created you to be free. Not to be bound. Not to be restricted. Not to be slaves to sin. But to be free. The first three words God ever speaks to humanity. You are free. The next two words, the first five words God speaks to humanity. You are free to eat. Come on, somebody. I like that command. You are free to eat. Free to eat what? Whatever you want. You can eat lobster. You can eat crab. You can eat steak, shrimp, chicken. You can have steak, shrimp, chicken, fajitas. We probably need some vegetables in there. So let's add some avocado, some tomato, some lime, some cilantro, and maybe some grain. Let's have a tortilla up in there. You are free to eat all the Mexican food you want. I'm ready for a Mexican restaurant. But hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. Man, 
Y'all ready for some Mexican today for lunch? Come on, you can take me out anytime you want. My wife too, she got to come too though. My wife, me and my wife. She likes Mexican too. You are free, but, but the sentence goes on, so maybe he's not saying that. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But, 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 you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when, when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God says to Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But don't eat from this one tree. You know, sometimes our butts get us in trouble. This is what happens with Adam and Eve. But I think sometimes when we, when we read this passage and when we think about the Garden of Eden, we, we have a limited view of it. God says you're free to eat from any tree. I, I think sometimes when we think about the Garden of Eden, we, we think of a garden kind of like a garden in our backyard, right? That God put Adam in, in a backyard garden. And he said, here, you can eat from all four of these trees except for this one. And uh, we, we think the garden is just this, this small little place, but, but it's not. The, the, the garden that God put Adam in even uh, is a tremendously expansive garden. I want to I show you how it's described in Genesis 2.10, it says this, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The, the name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. Verse 13, the name of the second one is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. 14, the name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And so it says that there's this river flowing from Eden that watered the garden. Not a babbling brook, but a river. That this river then breaks off into four separate rivers. So this is a massive river that's watering the, the Garden of Eden. See, we know that the Garden of Eden was a real place on earth. It wasn't some fictitious story time, uh, bedtime place that we read about in the scriptures, but it was a real place because it says that... It's watered by this river that then branches off into four other rivers. The two of those rivers are the Tigris and the Euphrates. Well, we know where those are. Those are right there in Iraq. They come right off of the Persian Gulf. And archaeologists and historians have found two dead riverbeds that branch off from there. And they suppose that to be the Pishon and the Gahan. But they come from the Persian Gulf. And so where was the Garden of Eden? Well, about 7,000 years prior... Sea levels were about 500 feet lower than they are today. The Persian Gulf is about 300 feet deep. So about 7,000 years ago, the Persian Gulf didn't even exist. But in its place was a lush valley. In the place of the Persian Gulf was a lush valley where a river flowed. And this river branched off into four other rivers and so Eden was where the Persian Gulf is today, which means that the Garden of Eden was most likely anywhere between 10,000 and 40,000 square miles. God puts Adam and Eve in this garden that goes on for thousands of miles. And in this garden are millions of trees. And God says to them, you are free to eat from any tree that you want. You have millions and millions of options that lead you to freedom.
God is a generous God. God is a good God. God is not interested in limiting you, but in bringing you to a place where you can live life to the full. He said, you are free. And look at all that I've given you. But there's this one tree. I don't want you to eat from it. Not because he cares about the tree, but he wants to give Adam and Eve an option to choose him or not. See, that's how you know love is love when it's chosen. You can't make somebody love you. You make somebody love you, you don't know if they really love you or not. It's only when they have a choice to love you that you know that it's real. God says, I want you to not eat from this tree. And this really is their choice. Do you want to follow me or not? Do you want to go my way or your way? It's up to you. But just know I've created you to be free. You can choose the other way, the opposite of freedom, slavery, slavery to sin. But that's not what I created you for. I created you to experience freedom. And this is, this is why, when, when you look at it in context of how massive the garden was, how expansive it was, how many options they had for freedom, it just seems ridiculous that they would eat from this one tree. I mean, you had all these trees to eat from, Adam. Why did you choose this one? Why did you do that? And we could look back on Adam and say, man, he was an idiot. I would never do that. But we have. Each and every one of us have. This is actually what Paul points out, this early church leader 2,000 years ago, when he writes to the church in Rome. He says, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away, each and every one of us. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. And then to make it clear, Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us have chosen the tree God said not to eat from. And it's not a physical tree. Maybe it's, maybe it's our pride, it's our ego. Maybe it's been lust or jealousy. Each and every one of us have chosen to go our own way at some point in our life, and many of us are choosing to go our own way even now. And we know that we have the choice of the tree in front of us every single day because Moses explains it to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 30, 19. And I think this is the same choice that you and I have. Moses said this to the people of Israel. He said, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Moses said to the people of Israel, you have two choices, death or life. Which will you choose? This is the choice of the tree. Will you choose from the millions of options God's given you for freedom? Or will you choose from this one that keeps you bound? And each and every day, you and I have the same choice, life or death. Productivity of procrastination. You and I, we have the choice of purity or lust, generosity or greed, confidence or insecurity, hope or despair, peace or worry. And this is where the journey of recovery begins. We say, I've gotten free, I'm finally free. But now I have to make the choice to continue to walk in recovery. And I continue to choose hope. 
I continue to choose life. I continue to choose productivity. I continue to choose peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I will continue to choose the option that, remain, that, that leads me to remain free. And this is where we are today. We've come to a point where we've admitted that we have a problem. We've understood what causes that problem. We've come to God and said, God, would you receive these from me? I'm willingly giving them to you. And now that I've gotten forgiveness, I'm finally free. The question is, will I continue to be? Will I continue down that journey? So as we wrap up our fourth session of group therapy today, I just want to ask you that question. Will you continue the road to recovery, to stay free like God created you to be? The choice is yours. You can go back to how you used to be. But man, that'd just be a waste of effort and energy. You are finally free in Christ as long as you want to be, as long as you choose to be. And so can I just give you some passages to remind you of how God created you to be? So that if you're ever tempted to to slide back into who you used to be, you can remember these passages. You can go back to how you were supposed to be and say, I am no longer allowing myself to go back to where I used to be because I am journeying this road to recovery. Genesis 2, 15 through 17, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. When God created humanity, he created you to be free. Each and every one of us are created to be free, but sin entered in and made us slaves. But I want to tell you, you are no longer a slave to sin because Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I want to let you know, the son of God came to this world to die on a cross so that you could be set free and not just kind of free not just hopefully free but free indeed you have been free indeed if Christ has set you free if you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross that he rose again from the dead if you believe and you've been baptized into him you have been set free Galatians 5.1 it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Stand firm and don't allow yourself to be burdened by a yoke of slavery because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You're finally free. Come on, sing it. Let's go.
I'm walking the road of recovery. And I will not allow myself to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That's who I was. This is who I am now. I am finally free. Finally free. You know, every single week we have an opportunity to remind ourselves of that truth. That we are finally free. Okay, you can go ahead and sit down. That's fine. Go ahead, grab a seat. No, no, you can sit. You can sit. In a minute, members from our VIP team are going to come down and they're going to pass out trays. And uh, in those trays are stacks of cups and the bottom cup has some bread. And that's there for you to take and eat. And, and it's there to remind you of the body of Jesus that was broken for you. The top cup just above that has some juice and that's there to remind you of Jesus' blood that was sacrificed for you, that was poured out for you so that you could be free from your sin. Jesus came to be the sacrifice for our sins so that we could be free. Whether or not you'll be free really begins with you making a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior and as the leader of your life. If you've never made the decision to accept Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity as we take communion. When you came in, you received a note card, and at the bottom of that note card is a little perforated section. We call it a connect card. At the bottom of that, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ as my Savior and be baptized. If you've never made the decision to first get free by accepting Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to mark that box. Drop it off at one of the black tables. We've got some people there who would love to talk to you about that decision and schedule you to be baptized. But may today be a reminder for you that in Christ you are finally free. And you don't have to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery that held you. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. You're finally free. As long as you want to be. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you love broken individuals like me. Jesus, thank you that your grace is powerful enough to forgive all my shortcomings. Thank you, God, that you love me for who I am and not as I should be. Because none of us are as we should be. But God, thank you that you're calling me to something greater. And I don't want to stay stuck in the stagnation of my sin. I want to journey to the freedom that you've called me in. I pray the same for each and every one of us, God. Give us the strength that we need to move forward, to walk in recovery, and not to relapse. Thank you, God, that we are finally free. As long as we want to be in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.